Chapter thirty five of the Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter thirty five. The Hidden House. The very stains and fractures on the wall, assuming features solemn and terrific, hinted some tragedy of that old hall, locked up in hieroglyphic. Prophetic hints that filled the soul with dread, but to one gloomy window pointing mostly, the while some secret inspiration said, that chamber is the ghostly. Hood. The hidden house was a large, irregular edifice of dark red sandstone, with its walls covered closely with the clinging ivy, that had been clipped away only from a few of the doors and windows, and the roof overshadowed by the top branches of gigantic oaks and elms that clustered around and nearly concealed the building. It might have been a long forsaken house, for any sign of human habitation that was to be seen about it. All was silent, solitary, and gloomy. As Capitola drew up her horse to gaze upon its sombre walls, she wondered which was the window at which the spectral light and ghostly face had been seen. She soon believed that she had found it. At the highest point of the building, immediately under the sharp angle of the roof, and the gable and nearest to view, was a solitary window. The ivy that clung tightly to the stone, covering every portion of the wall at this end, was clipped away from that high-placed, dark and lonely window, by which Capitola's eyes were strangely fascinated. While thus she gazed in wonder, interest, and curiosity, though without the least degree of superstitious dread, a vision flashed upon her sight that sent the blood from her ruddy cheek to her brave heart, and shook the foundations of her unbelief. For while she gazed, suddenly that dark window was illumined by a strange, unearthly light that streamed forth into the gloomy evening air, and touched with blue flame the quivering leaves of every tree in its brilliant line. In the midst of this lighted window appeared a white female face, wild with woe. And then the face suddenly vanished, and the light was swallowed up in darkness. Capitola remained transfixed. Great heaven, she thought, can these things really be? Have the ghostly traditions of this world truth in them at last? When I heard this story of the haunted window, I thought someone had surely imagined or invented it. Now I have seen for myself. But if I were to tell what I have seen— not one if a hundred would believe me. While these startling thoughts disturbed her usually well-balanced mind, a vivid flash of lightning, accompanied by a tremendous peal of thunder, and a heavy fall of rain, roused her into renewed activity. "'Jip, my boy, the storm is upon us sure enough. We shall catch it all around, get well drowned, beaten and buffeted here, and well abused when we get home. Meanwhile, Jip, which is the worst, the full fury of the tempest, or the mysterious terrors of the haunted house?' Another blinding flash of lightning, a stunning crash of thunder, a flood of rain, and tornado of wind decided her. We'll take the haunted house, Jip, my friend. That spectral lady of the lighted window looked rather in sorrow than in anger, and who knows but the ghosts may be hospitable. So gee up, Dobbin, said Capitola, and urging her horse with one hand, and holding on her cap with the other, she went on against wind and rain until she reached the front of the old house. Not a creature was to be seen. Every door and window was closely shut. Dismounting, Capitola led her horse under the shelter of a thickly-leaved oak tree, secured him, and then holding up her saturated skirt with one hand, and holding on her cap with the other, she went up some mouldering stone steps to an old stone portico, and seizing the heavy iron knocker of a great black oak double door, she knocked loudly enough to awaken all the mountain echoes. She waited a few minutes for an answer, but receiving none, she knocked again, more loudly than before. Still there was no reply. And growing impatient, 
She seized the knocker with both hands, and exerting all her strength, made the welkin ring again. This brought a response. The door was unlocked and angrily jerked open by a short, squarely formed, beetle-browed, stern-looking woman, clothed in a black stuff gown, and having a stiff muslin cap upon her head. "'Who are you? What do you want here?' harshly demanded this woman, whom Capitola instinctively recognized as Dorky Knight, the morose housekeeper of the hidden house. "'Who am I? What do I want? Old Nick fly away with you. It's plain enough to be seen who I am and what I want.' "'I am a young woman caught out in the storm, and I want shelter,' said Cap, indignantly. And her words were endorsed by a terrific burst of the tempest in lightning, thunder, wind, and rain. "'Come in, then, and when you ask favors, learn to keep a civil tongue in your head,' said the woman sternly, taking the guest by the hand, and pulling her in, and shutting and locking the door. "'Favors! Plague on you for a barris! I asked no favor. Every storm-beaten traveler has a right to shelter under the first roof that offers.' and none but a curmudgeon would think of calling it a favor. And as for keeping a civil tongue in my head, I'll do it when you set me the example, said Cap. Who are you? again demanded the woman. Oh, I see you are no Arabian in your notions of hospitality. Those pagans entertain a guest without asking him a single question, and though he were their bitterest foe, they consider him, while he rests beneath their tent, sacred from intrusion." "'That's because they were pagans,' said Dorky. "'But as I am a Christian, I'd thank you to let me know who it is that I have received under this roof.' "'My name,' said our heroine, impatiently, "'is Capitola Black. I live with my uncle, Major Warfield, at Hurricane Hall. And now I should thank your ladyship to send someone to put away my horse, while you accommodate me with dry clothes.' While our saucy little heroine spoke the whole aspect of the dark-browed woman changed. "'Capitola! Capitola!' she muttered, gazing earnestly upon the face of the unwelcome guest. "'Yes, Capitola. That is my name. You never heard anything against it, did you?' For all answer the woman seized her hand, and while the lightning flashed, and the thunder rolled, and the wind and rain beat down, she drew her the whole length of the hall before a back window that overlooked the neglected garden, and regardless of the electric fluid that incessantly blazed upon them, she held her there, and scrutinized her features." "'Well, I like this. Upon my word I do,' said Cap, composedly. Without replying, the strange woman seized her right hand, forcibly opened it, gazed upon the palm, and then, flinging it back with a shudder, exclaimed, "'Capitola, what brought you under this roof? Away! Be gone! Mount your horse and fly while there is yet time!' "'What? Expose myself again to the storm? I won't, and that's flat,' said Cap." "'Girl, girl, there are worse dangers in the world than any to be feared from thunder, lightning, rain, or wind. "'Very well, then. When I meet them it will be time enough to deal with them. "'Meanwhile the stormy night and my soaked clothing are very palpable evils, "'and as I see no good end to be gained by my long enduring them, "'I will just beg you to stop soothsaying, as I have had enough of that from another old witch, "'and be as good as to permit me to change my clothes.' "'It is madness! You shall not stay here!' cried the woman, in a harsh voice. "'And I tell you I will. You are not the head of the family, and I do not intend to be turned out by you.' While she spoke, a servant crossed the hall, and the woman, whisking Capitola around until her back was turned, and her face concealed, went to speak to the newcomer. "'When will your master be here?' Capitola heard her inquire. "'Not to-night. He saw the storm rising, and did not wish to expose himself.' He sent me on to say that he would not be here until morning. I was caught, as you see. I am dripping wet, replied the man. Go, change your clothes at once, then, Davy. Who is that stranger? asked the man. 
pointing to Capitola. "'Some young woman of the neighborhood, who has been caught out in the tempest. But you had better go and change your clothes than to stand here gossiping,' said the woman harshly. "'I say,' said the man, "'the young woman is a godsend to Miss Clara. Nobody has been to see her yet. Nobody ever visits this house unless they are driven to it.' I don't wonder the colonel and our young master pass as much as ten months in the year away from home, spending all the summer at the watering-places, and all the winter in New York or Washington. Hold your tongue. What right have you to complain? You always attend them in their travels. True, but you see, for this last season, they have both been staying here, old master to watch the heiress, young master to court her. And as I have no interest in that game, I find the time hangs heavy on my hands, complained the man. "'It will hang heavier if you take a long fit of illness by standing in wet clothes,' muttered the woman. "'Why, so it twill, missus. So here goes,' assented the man, hurrying across the hall, and passing out through the door opposite that by which he entered. Dorcas returned to her guest. Eyeing her closely for a while, she at length inquired, "'Capitola, how long have you lived at Hurricane Hall?' "'So long,' replied Cap, "'that you must have heard of me. I, at least, have often heard of Mother Dorky Knight.' "'And heard no good of her?' "'Well, no, to be candid with you, I never did,' said Cap. "'And much harm of her?' continued the woman, keeping her stern black eyes fixed upon those of her guest. "'Well, yes, since you ask me, I have heard pretty considerable harm,' answered Cap, nothing daunted. "'Where did you live before you came to Hurricane Hall?' asked Dorcas. "'Where I learned to fear God, to speak the truth, and to shame the devil,' replied Cap. "'And to force yourself into people's houses against their will.' "'There you are again. I tell you that when I learn from the head of this household that I am unwelcome, then I will retreat, and not until then. And now I demand to be presented to the master.' "'To Colonel Lenore?' "'Yes.' "'I cannot curse you with the curse of a granted prayer. Colonel Lenore is away.' "'Why do you talk so strangely?' inquired Capitola. "'It is my whim. Perhaps my head is light.' "'I should think it was, excessively so. Well, as the master of the house is away—' "'Be good enough to present me to the mistress.' "'What mistress? There is no mistress here,' replied Dorcas, looking around in strange trepidation. "'I mean the young lady, Colonel Lenore's ward. In lieu of any other lady, she, I suppose, may be considered the mistress of the house.' "'Humph! Well, young girl, as you are fully resolved to stand your ground, I suppose there is nothing to do but put up with you,' said Dorcas. "'And put up my horse,' added Cap. "'He shall be taken care of.' "'But mind, you must depart early in the morning,' said Dorcas, sternly. "'Once more, and for the last, Mother Cerberus, "'I assure you I do not acknowledge your authority to dismiss me,' retorted Capitola. "'So show me to the presence of your mistress.' "'Perverse, like all the rest. "'Follow me,' said the housekeeper, "'leading the way from the hall toward a back parlour. "'End of chapter 35.'